Hello and welcome to Villerstown Past and Present, a podcast which is hosted by the six class students of our school. Come along with us in this episode as we talk to author-journalist Robin Swan about her life. Robin is well known for being co-author of books such as Finding Madeline and The Full Story of 9-11. Robin lives on the River Blackwater and we caught up with her to have a chat about her life and career to date. Hi Robin, thank you very much for joining us today on our podcast. We will shortly begin the interview. Where were you born? I was born in a little town in Connecticut, which is in the United States, right on the seashore, a very small place. And where did you go to school? I went to the local national school, and then I went to the local high school. I walked there every day. It was a mile away. And then after that, I got a scholarship to a small women's college, which is one of the seven sister colleges in the United States. Do you have any siblings? I do, sadly. (laughs) I have a wonderful sister and two brothers. Um, Did you read when you were younger? If so, who was your favorite author? Yes, I read everything. I read the back of the cereal box in the morning. It drove my family crazy. Um, My favorite author? I loved Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. I loved all the books written by Tolstoy, the Russian writer. And I, I really liked, we, we had this thing in those days called Nancy Drew Mysteries. They were a series of mystery books, sort of like, oh, I don't know. They were, the, they were the, the cool thing to read then, sort of like Harry Potter or something, and there were lots of them, and so you just read them. And what type of books were you most interested in? I always loved history books. I really loved history books. What inspired you to become a journalist? I realized I wasn't going to be good at the job that I thought I was going to be good at. I thought I wanted to be a college professor and that I could teach other people about Russian history. And I realized that I really was not very patient and that I liked working on my own rather than with other people. And I liked directing research and doing research and digging for things more than I liked talking about it or encouraging other people to do those things. What was the first book you wrote? The first book I actually wrote was um, a this book about Richard Nixon, which is why I brought this big book with me, which is a an idea of how one starts to write a book. But the first book I wrote was a book about Richard Nixon, the the American president. What's your most famous book? Hard to say. Um, I think that in this part of the world, our most famous book is a book we did about the disappearance of the little British toddler, Madeleine McCann. And it's famous for all the wrong reasons, really, because the people have so much passion about that story and they get very, very angry and head up about it and have one opinion one way or the other. So they, even this week, there was someone online attacking me and saying that I was a liar because of what I'd written about Madeline's disappearance. Um, so, so that, I think, is probably most famous. 
How long on average would it take you to write a book? Probably about four years from start to finish. What's the process like? Well, the very first thing you do is read everybody else's book. And that's why I brought this big, enormous tome, which is a, a book that was written before my book about Richard Nixon. And the first thing you do is you find everything else written and you read it really, really closely and make notes on what you think they did wrong and what you want to do better. What was your favorite book to work on? book to work on um, was a book we did about the disappearance, um, uh, uh, the book we did about the um, investigation of the, an attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, and I don't know if you know about that, but during World War II, um, the Americans entered the war when the U.S. fleet, the Navy, was attacked in, off the coast of Hawaii in their safe harbor. It was a surprise attack. And we did a book in which we um, exonerated the, the man who was commander of that, uh, the fleet, for having been derelict in his duty to protect the fleet. And we discovered all sorts of really interesting things that he had not been told. And that was 75 years after it had happened, so it was really exciting to find out new things that far, that far from the event. How many books have you written? Too many. Um, <laughs> six. What is your most recent book? Uh, my most recent book is the book about Pearl Harbor. Um, what is it like to work on a Netflix documentary? Exhausting. <laughs> uh, it's very exciting because it's a good chance for more people to get to know about your work because Netflix has such a, a big reach. But you know, when I said that I liked writing books because I got to do that on my own and just really direct myself, the thing about working on a Netflix documentary is that there are about a hundred other people involved in making the decisions, and you feel like a very small part of that process. Even though you, as the author, have all the information, they have all the authority and all the power to, to make it happen. In your opinion, what do you think happened to Madeleine McCann? I think that the best evidence is that Madeleine was taken from the apartment in Friar de Luz. I don't think there's any evidence that anything happened to her inside the apartment. So that means she would have left that place alive. So that means one of two things. Either she wandered away under her own steam, or she was taken. Her parents have always said that they didn't think it was likely she wandered away because doors were, and gates were opened and closed in a way that a three-year-old, almost four, really wouldn't have done. And I think if you look at your three- and four-year-old brothers and sisters at home, um, the idea of them opening and closing gates and getting out and wandering away in the dark down the main street of Villierstown probably seems pretty unlikely to you. And it seems pretty unlikely to me. So uh, that's why I, I, I basically think that the best, the best evidence we have, and there is very little evidence in, in the story at all, um, is that she must have been taken. 
do you think we'll ever find out what actually happened to Madeleine? Well, last year, or in 2020, at the start of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about a new suspect in Germany, a man who'd been accused and convicted of other crimes against children, and you're all of the age that you understand crimes against children that happen, and he looked like a very good suspect. But now, two years later, even with all the attention that's been paid to him and all the um, press queries to have more information about him come out, the German police still don't seem ready or able to prosecute him. This week, we heard that the British police, who've been conducting a big reinvestigation of the case, may not go on doing that anymore. It's been very expensive and they may stop. So we may never know what happened to Madeline. Do you find yourself thinking about cases that you've worked on, such as the Madeline case, a lot? Yes. Absolutely. Because you, you spend so much time doing this. You know, every, every book that we write is marked out in days taken out of my life, my, my time with my family, my time with my children. And you can't do that and then just put it away and not think about it anymore. So you, you do, you think about it all the time. You think about you know, advances in the case, maybe things you should have done or could have done, or wanted to do or still want to do. What was a standout moment for you while working on your book based on 9-11? It, it was actually at the, at the end of the work on 9-11 on when we, we quite often give our books to people who are experts to read them, people who are experts before we were experts. And so when we were done with our 9-11 book, I gave it to a former staff member of the 9-11 Commission to read. And he came back and he said that we had created the new definitive timeline of 9-11, the best, best version of what had happened on the day. And that, that made me feel just really amazingly good. Like we must, we, we had picked through all the evidence and there was a lot and we were able to tell even someone like that something new. And that was really extraordinary. Did you ever think you would come this far in your career? All the way to Villierstown? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I didn't think about it. I think, I, I think, you know, when you're young and you want to do something, you hope you'll be successful and you really want to, you think if you work hard, maybe you'll, you'll sell some books. And, and, and be able to make a living doing it. And I think that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to make sure I could make a living, support myself. Have you ever thought about writing your own mystery-style fiction book? I've thought about it, but I have no imagination. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a good idea, let me know. Um, yeah. What was your biggest accomplishment to date? Um... Well, our book about 9-11 was the finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for History, which in, in writing terms is sort of like being nominated but not winning the Oscar. Um, so it's, it's, that was really exciting. I think the thing I was proudest of, it's very funny, but when that happened, the president of my college wrote me a letter and told me they were proud of me. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and that really meant a lot to me because it, it was it was from you know my school recognizing that I had done something that was worthy. Do you enjoy what you do? I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And I, if I said anything to anybody about what they do, I think what the the pandemic and and, and everything bad we see around us tells us is that you have to love what you do because the money or fame or you know all those things that you you, you think you're going to get out of your job are not what it's about it's about getting up every morning and doing it and enjoying doing it even when there's no reward and there's nobody there to listen to you if you were to give us advice about writing what would it be don't do it <laughs> um, <laughs> That uh, a couple things, I suppose. That good writing can't happen until you have the building blocks. So you can't start writing until you have all the information assembled, because you're just you're just you'll just be at sea. So always do your research first. Good writing can't rescue a badly researched project. We will do a short, quick fire round of your favorite things. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Oh, tea. Okay. Uh, dinner or dessert? Dinner. Cat or dog? Oh, dog. Reading or writing? Reading. Beef or chicken? Beef. iPhone or Samsung? iPhone. Ireland or America? Oh, no, I'm not answering that. <laughs> uh, look, I haven't been... Ireland is, is where I live now, and it is, it is a really, really special place to me, and it is my children's home. Um, all my children were born here, they all speak Irish. Um, but for me, there is still a little house in Connecticut that has a key that says home on it. And I think, you know, I think you guys will feel that way too, no matter where you go, there's always going to be a place that is still home. It isn't necessarily America, but there is that little house on a little particular road in Connecticut that is my home. Robin, thank you very much for appearing on today's podcast. We have learned a lot about the world of journalism and writing. We hope you enjoyed coming to chat with us. Thank you. I think it's been really interesting. You guys are a great team. That's the end of this month's podcast. Thank you to Robin Swan for coming in to chat with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Bye for now.